Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew, the 24th chapter. I think today might be the final part in a series we've been teaching for a a while now. This will be part nine. All right. Last day's survival guide. All right. We're living in the last days, according to the book of Acts. And, uh, and by the signs of the times and the fulfillment of prophecy, we look in the, in the world around us and we can see many things taking place that the Scriptures tell us would take place in the days preceding the Lord's return. And so we're not far away. We're getting, we're getting close to these things. So what we've been doing is ensuring, first of all, personally, that none of us fall away like the Bible said would happen in the last days, that people would depart from the faith. We're not going to let it be us. All right, so we spent some time talking about our own personal lives and how we can avoid that scenario. But then also, we see in Scripture that there are disasters. There are some things that are real troublesome in this world that are and will take place on an increasing level the closer we get to the end. And so we are making sure that we are prepared for that. Let's read these verses in Matthew chapter 24. Beginning in verse 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things, look, must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And so knowing about these events, and if we were just look at it naturally, humanly speaking, we are helpless to avoid some of this. I mean, how can you stop an earthquake? How can you avoid uh, a famine? How, how, How can you be safe in the middle of these type of events? But thank God we're not just naturally speaking. We're not just looking at things from a natural human mindset. We're looking at individuals who are connected to a living God who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, who is is omnipresent, right? And so in a relationship with God, oh, the potential is wide open for us to continue enjoying life, be safe, be protected. But how many know uh, our survival, if you will, in the last days is not just tied to us confessing God's promises and trusting Him for His divine protection. But the other side of that is learning to follow the leading of the Spirit. It's called learning to follow the guide on the inside. We have this advantage over all peoples of the earth that the Spirit of God will lead us into the right area and away from some wrong areas. Okay? If, uh, if we don't learn to follow that and then follow that leading, then yes, it's a dangerous world. And yes, there's going to be some things happen and we could get caught up in it. And we could get harmed by it. But we don't need to fear. We need to trust the Lord. And we need to follow Him every step of the way. You know, whenever, whenever there's uh, tragedy, you know, large-scale situations, 9-11... Uh, natural disasters, hurricanes, different things that happen. We always hear stories following of, of individuals that changed their schedule that day 
We always hear stories of, of, of people that, you know, like on 9-11, many stories came out of individuals that were supposed to be in that building. They would have been in that building. They were supposed to be at work. And yet they changed. They changed their direction. They stayed home. Something inside of them said, don't go to work today. And they lived and didn't die. You know, I remember that, that morning when, when that attack took place, uh, being in bed. It was pretty early, and it was a Monday morning, and we got a phone call, and we turned on the television, and at that point, the, the channels were, were estimating like 30,000 people could be dead, uh, just large numbers, and thank God it wasn't anywhere close to that. But it shows you what, what was going on. See, it was tragic, most certainly, and I don't mean to minimize that at all, but you know a lot of people were saved. A lot of people were saved from that. They didn't die that day because the Spirit of God led them away from that tragic situation. Now, I know a skeptical mind would say, well, if, if God leads people, why did He lead some of those people out of there, and what about the rest of them? How come He didn't lead the other people away, away from that situation? Well, who said He didn't? I mean, why would we speculate and say he didn't lead and tell others to go? Have you, fo- have you always followed the leading of the Lord in your own life? Have you ever had a situation that totally fell apart on you and obviously didn't kill you, but, you know, gave you some rough time and you, after it was done, you said, I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. I knew I wasn't supposed to go there. This, man, the Lord was warning me about that, trying to keep me from that, and I did it anyway. I mean, can anybody relate to that? I mean, I can relate to that. We just made wrong choices and did the wrong thing, and we knew better. And so I'm not going to look at that and say, well, the Lord protected some, but He didn't protect others. It's not His will that any should perish. It's not His will that any, anyone suffer. And, 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 and No, that's not God's plan. He's trying to get us away from into these things into a place of safety. Amen. Now, here's the deal. Uh, when, when tragedy strikes, it is not correct to define the situation that those who perish or suffer great loss or harm are worse people than those who didn't. Sometimes individuals, they look at someone and this person, uh, let's talk, take, take disease for an example. This person died at a young age and they had a disease and, and I don't understand it. They were such a good Christian. They really loved the Lord. And that just shows that the Lord doesn't, doesn't save everyone from these things. No, that doesn't say any such, such thing at all. What verse is it? What verse is it that says if someone is a good Christian, if they love the Lord, if they're a nice person, that, that nothing wrong ever happens? Or that's the road to getting healed? That's not a verse. God never told it. See, there are different laws that govern those kind of situations. There are different spiritual laws. There are different rules that keep people out of harm. And, and, and not everyone who, are, who arrives in, in heaven, who goes to heaven, did so on God's schedule. I got real quiet on that. Some people show up early. No, they're not condemned for it. I mean, once they get there, they're laughing. You know what I'm talking about? But that doesn't mean that was God's design that they show up right at that time. Now, uh, I guess I need to say more about that then. 
uh, Hebrews, I think it's the ninth chapter that says, uh, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. Okay? How many know that verse doesn't say, it is appointed on a certain day at a certain time that you would die? That's not what that verse says at all. That there's a clock and you know, you know, people say, well, when your time comes, there's nothing you can do about it. You're just gone. No, that's not right. That's not scriptural. That's not what that verse is. It's just saying everyone's going to die and then they stand judgment after death. In other words, you don't make any decisions about heaven and hell and Jesus and everything after you die. You have to make them before you die. That's the rules that govern that. You know, like the, the, the airplane mechanic. I heard the story about him. He was, you know... Uh, working his job at the airport and working on the airplanes and around a lot of pilots, but he himself would never fly, was actually afraid of flying. And uh, some of the pilots around him would jazz him and say, hey, you ought to, you know, come up. And one day they were saying that, yeah, just come up, just come up, let's go up, let's go up and fly. And, and they said, after all, you're not going to die until your time comes anyway. And, uh, and he thought about it for a moment. He said, well, what if we get up there and your time comes? <laughs> So there's a little uh, lack of logic in that, in that kind of thinking. Look with me at Luke chapter 13. Luke, the 13th chapter. So again, there's a belief sometimes that when bad things happen, well, that's because those are bad people that that happened to. Or they, uh, it, because, because of the sin in their life, that's the reason that... They were caught off guard and so forth. Jesus addressed some of this in, in Luke chapter 13, verse 1. There was present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. All right, brutal death here. And Jesus answered and said, said, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? Look, verse 3, I tell you, No. That's Jesus' response to an event that took place where a bunch of people got killed. He said, they weren't worse than everybody else. That's That's not what governed that. That's not why that happened. Everybody with me now? He said, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Verse 4, or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them... Do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So he's saying, he mentions two particular, one they brought up and the other one he brought up, uh, two particular disasters where a bunch of people died. And Jesus, speaking the will of the Father, he is the will of God in the flesh, in action, clearly seen. He said, that's not what happened there. It wasn't because they were worse than everyone else. It wasn't because everyone else was good and they were bad, and that's why they died that day and, and, and everyone else didn't. But this is, uh, this is interesting when we think about this. Obviously, there has been a lot of thought concerning that, a lot of doctrine, belief that if something bad happens, it's tied to a particular sin. That's not always the case. Now, does sin open the door to uh, bad things happening. Yeah, no doubt there is consequence built into sin. I mean, you get involved in certain activity, it's going to hurt you. Whether you love God or whether you don't love God. Whether you, you know, uh, I mean, there's forgiveness for it, but some things, you know, 
We could give a lot of examples if we wanted to take the time to do so. Yes, sin has consequence, but not everyone who suffers or dies early does so because of a particular sin. All right? Uh, But there are other components to the kingdom of God that govern this stuff. And here's where we are. This is where we are. One of them is this. It's called being led by the Spirit. Being led saves us from much trouble. Not being led leaves us potentially in the path of a tower. Now watch. He said to this group of people, unless you repent, you're going to likewise perish. I don't think he meant the tower's going to fall on you too. But same similar things are going to happen unless you repent. What do you mean you repent? Repent is is a change. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of action. It's a turning from one thing to another. What? Turning from the ways of sin, the world, uh, the flesh, to the things of God. Turning, now I'm listening to His voice. Now I'm hearing what He has to say. Okay? It's a total different way of living. He said, if you don't repent, you're going to die too. What happens when I turn to the Lord? Now I'm listening to Him. Now I'm following His plan. Now I'm listening to His voice. Now I can be ready when I'm standing somewhere and I hear, Look out! What? There's a tower about to fall on you. Or watch. Or we go back to 9-11. Don't go to work today. Call in. You're not going into work today. Simple as that. When I'm... When I've turned from my ways and from the ways of the world and reliance upon the flesh and sin and everything else, and I've turned to the the ways of God, and I listen to Him and I pay attention to His voice daily, I've positioned myself to avoid tragedy. I've positioned myself if something's happening where He will show me the way out. He will lead me past it. Huh? Yeah. I mean, the Bible even says concerning temptation, trial, and test that, that He will not allow us to be tempted, tried, tested with anything that's beyond our ability. But He will, in the middle of it, what? Give us a way of escape. So I'm always looking in life and trusting the Lord that I'm going to have a way out. Something's happening, there's a way out. I may not see it initially, but I trust Him to show me, to talk to me, to lead me. Part of following the Spirit of God and being a Christian is we do not rely on our head. We do not rely upon Google. We do not rely upon the naturally limited wisdom of man, but we continually listen to His voice. And there is safety and protection in the last days when we're following Him. Thank you, Lord. See, I think we, we really must believe this too. We have to believe this. How can, I, how can I live at peace and comfort and confidence and sure-footedness going forward if I don't believe that if I'm going the wrong way, the Lord's going to tell me? Oh, my Father who loves me, Jesus gave His life for me. He does all this stuff for me. But I'm about to step off the edge of a cliff and He's going to, in all His all power and all knowingness and everything else, He's going to be silent and just let me walk right off the cliff. I don't believe that. I don't believe he'll do that to you. I believe he'll say, hey! And I'll go, whoa! 
That would have hurt. He loves us. Wouldn't you do that for a friend? Wouldn't you do that for a loved one? You saw them going the wrong direction, about to walk into something that would harm them. Wouldn't you say, hey, hey. And the Lord most certainly is doing that for us. Uh, You know this, that warnings are very common in Scripture. You can read from beginning to end, and you'll find that God would warn people of impending danger. He warned Noah about a flood. He, he warned Joseph, uh, in his, Joseph uh, about concerning the protection of Jesus. He warned Paul. Paul warned the church about uh, things that were going to take place, people that were going to come in after he left and what they were going to say and do. You can see warnings throughout Scripture, the Lord trying to save people from harm. Without the warning, they would walk right into trouble. But with the warning, they avoid tragedy. And this is what's very interesting to me. Because here's the mindset we have sometimes. Well, why don't God just remove the problem? Why doesn't He just remove the bad person? Why doesn't He just stop everything that could hurt me from getting anywhere close to me? Now think about this. He did this even with Jesus. God in the flesh, the only begotten Son. He was born and Herod, the king at that time, was coming to kill him. Why didn't God in all his power and might just pick up Herod and... And, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Just remove the threat. It's very interesting to me that he didn't do it that way. That's not how God... He appeared to Joseph. Joseph had a dream. And they had to flee to Egypt. Now, this is concerning Jesus. His role was pretty important. Concerning Jesus. Jesus didn't get killed, slaughtered with all those other babies during that time. Because his dad was warned of the Lord, his natural earthly father, you know, stepdad, whatever, was was warned of the Lord about what was happening and he had to leave. If that was the case with Jesus, and you know, when they came back, they were warned not to go to Bethlehem. That's why they ended up in Nazareth and it fulfilled the prophecy he was called a Nazarene, right? Uh, If that was the case with Jesus, most certainly that's the case with us. In other words, as we are trusting God for our safety, our protection in life, sometimes it'll be speak to your mountain and move it. Sometimes it'll be we're going to pray this situation away. The angels are going to encamp about us and keep us from dashing our foot against the stone. And sometimes the Lord's going to say, go around that one. And we might not be able to explain why. Why does he do it that way? Why don't he just move the thing? Why don't he just take care of it? I don't know, but if we're not learned, if we're not developed in being led by the Spirit, and we think we're going through every situation, we're going to miss times when he says, go on over to Egypt for a while. Don't go to work today. huh? Stay off of that airplane. (laughs) Or whatever. Take a different path to work. Whatever it might be. But that's the component I'm convinced is very, very necessary for us in the last days. We must not only speak the word and know the promises, we must hear his voice. We must follow 
the Spirit of God and how He would lead us in which way He would direct us to go. He doesn't always stop the bad guys. Some of the bad guys are going to do what the bad guys do, bad things. So what do we do? We're just not going to be there. You know, what did Miyagi tell daniel son? <laughs> Best defense, no be there. You know that verse, right? Let me finish today with this. I want to give you three uh, important ways to prepare to stay on God's path. All right. How can I know that I'm on the path? And this is the this is the path where He's leading us around some stuff where we can avoid tragedy in our lives. How, how can I be ready? So I'm not one who said, who, you know, was that the Lord talking? Is he, is he the one telling me not to go there today? Or, ah, that's nothing. And then you show up in heaven and everyone says, what are you doing here already? You didn't, you didn't God had more for you to do. Well, come on in. Glad you're here. Uh, let's just not go early. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. It's going to be great. Huh? Might as well just live it out here. Influence as many people as we can. All right, here, here they are. Number one, number one, believe that He will lead you. All right, now watch. Belief is a choice. It's something we do on purpose. We put our faith in certain promises of God. This is one that we need to start with. Believe. In other words, don't, don't live your life thinking, well, you, can never, you never know. You never can tell what's going to happen. You know, any one of us could get hit by a Mack truck at any day. You, you, know, you just never know. No, don't believe that. Th- that's a dangerous belief. That's not a promise of God. Well, you never can tell. No, believe specifically that He, that the Spirit of God will lead you in where you should go. Let, let, let me give you a couple verses. Now, now, now think about these. Psalm 23, verse 3, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. What does He do? Leads us. Now, He doesn't force us onto the path. He doesn't place us onto the path. He leads us and says, come this way, come this way. Come on, say it with me. He is leading me. Yeah, He's leading you down a righteous path. Come on, believe that every day. We're going to be proactive in stirring these things up so we have a consciousness of it every day of our lives. Start your day out. He leads me. Lord, you're leading me today. You're, you're guiding my, my life. With that consciousness, you don't live in fear of bad things happening. Uh, Proverbs 3 and verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He shall direct your paths. Amen. How do I get to the Lord directing my path? Real simple. In everything, in all parts of my life, I acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him as what? My Savior? Yeah. My Redeemer? My Healer? My, 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 my Provider? Yes. And my Guide. My Shepherd. The One who leads me in the way I should go. Do you know He is that to you? How do you activate it? Acknowledge it. 
Acknowledge Him and that function and place in your life. Here's another one. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and He delights in His way. So what are our steps? Ordered by the Lord. Praise God. Too many people, I think, are living in fear. People won't do things. They won't... Afraid of disease, afraid of accidents, afraid of hardship. And maybe some of it's based on they know someone or they've been in accidents before, but they live in fear. Don't, don't, don't. In this situation, believe that he'll lead you away from them. He'll lead you to around the situation. He'll lead you in, in, in ways where you'll be protected. Okay? We don't want to live second-guessing every move, but confidence in his abiding presence. Praise God. All right, number two. Number two, this is how we're preparing for the path, is walk close to the Lord. Walk close to the Lord. Now, I realize this is not rocket science here. I'm not telling you something very, real, real complex. But if you and I will walk close to the Lord, there's nothing else that can substitute for that. Nothing else can take the place of that. All right? You personally walk tight with the Lord every day. Now, think about it. If... If you were on one end of the building and someone on the opposite end of the building was trying to communicate with you and they're talking to you and they're trying to get, you, get a message to you, but you can't, you know, you can hardly hear them and you can't figure out what they're saying, what would be the smartest course of action? Yeah, you got it by the point, huh? All right. Close the gap. Get closer to them. If you will get closer to them, you will easily be able to hear what they are saying and receive the message. If your walk with the Lord, even though your position in Christ is tight, but your daily walk with the Lord is distant, not much fellowship going on there, what's going to happen? And sometimes He's going to say something, you're going to go, huh? Oh, that was just me. And you won't, you won't be able to lock in and say... Yeah, that's what the Lord is saying. You can fix that, though. You can walk close with Him. How many know your relationship with God is totally up to you? Totally, 100%. You can have the best relationship of, with God of anyone on the planet if you want to. You can. Why, why can't you? He's not limiting you. He's not saying, whoa, back down, slow down. Getting a little too close here. Personal space. Getting a little too spiritual. Spending too much time in prayer. Now you can you can have lights out, amazing relationship with God that far exceeds anything anyone you ever know, and, and you'll have experiences with God that some won't even believe, and some you won't even bother telling them because they're personal. It's your relationship with God. Walk close with Him. You know James chapter four said, "If you'll draw close to Him, He'll draw close to you." I mean that's, that puts it in all, our court, doesn't it? If we take a step toward Him. He takes a step toward us. How can I get God to be really tight with me, to really move in my life? You just take a step towards Him. Do that every day. Do it every day. Take a step towards Him. Look to Him. Listen to Him. Talk to Him. Man, He'll make Himself, He'll show Himself strong. He'll be so real to you. Man, you do that long enough, consistently enough, He becomes more real to you than anything else on the planet. You do it, if you could do it for 300 years, I have good evidence in Scripture that you could disappear. 
I know we don't live that long now, but the one guy that did that for 300 years, he just gone out of here. One day he's just gone. They couldn't find him. Where'd he go? I don't know, but he was always talking to God. And he's just gone in the glory. So walk close to the Lord. How many know it is only that way that a person can really discern and know what situations, what circumstance, what events can be changed through prayer and what circumstances we need to avoid completely? There are a lot of things that can be changed. A lot of mountains can be moved. Huh? A lot of things that we can pray out and change and ind- individuals' lives are going the wrong direction. They can be changed. But again, according to, to Jesus, there are going to be pestilences, you know, famines, earthquakes. There are going to be tragedies. There are going to be towers falling. There are going to be things happening. There's some things we're not just going to change because we prayed about it. But you know what? In that prayer time, in that relationship with the Lord, that's where we get, this one's going to happen no matter what you do. Go this way. This situation's going to happen, but it doesn't have to kill you. It doesn't have to take you out right now. Only through that relationship. Only through that daily fellowship. All right? Uh, Praise God. Being caught up with the cares of this world, it'll dull your sensitivity to God. Pulling your hair out, everything is just about ah, this world, this world, this world. We've got to stop. And we've got to do number three. Right? Number three is take time. I'm talking about decision making. I'm talking about making decisions that take us on one path or another path. The path of righteousness for His name's sake or some other path. We must take time. One of the cardinal rules for decision making is don't move too quick. When people are making major decisions in their life and they're acting on a whim, they're moving, selling, buying, changing jobs, marrying this person, and you know, they're making quick decisions. Quick. They don't take time to think about it and analyze it and pray about it. That's usually when they make the most mistakes. Everybody with me? And so we want to take time. Hasty decisions are often regretted. But we know we know the way of life in our society. This doesn't fit in real well. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, because if we want an answer, we can Google it now and find answers to a lot of things. We want food, we can drive through. We want it hot, we've got a microwave. You know, we can do a lot of things really quick. And, and honestly, I like a lot of that too. All right? I'm not down on any of that. Uh, it's great. But I'm telling you, God is not in a hurry. And if we think He is, we're going to miss some of His leadings. We're absolutely going to miss it. He'll tell us. He'll talk to us. But we won't get it because we were done. We already moved on. He's not in a hurry. Those who are walking close with the Lord, they have learned to pause, to turn things off, to separate themselves, to take some time and spend with Him until they get clear, until they know. And I tell you this, listen, the way our society is, we're all influenced by it. We're all part of it. Unfortunately, in our day, in our country, a lot of churches are on a decline. Thankful what God's doing here, but a lot of churches are on a decline. And and watch, some of the ones that are 
on the greatest incline are those that their services are an hour or less on a Sunday. A friend of mine had a, told me a pastor in his city said, I'm go, we're going Jesus light. And I wow, I'm going Jesus heavy. But literally, and they said, we're doing 45-minute services, run them in, run them out. You know, a tithe is the same. So they're able to do that. People give, and, and you get more people running through. And, and listen, I, I try not to be negative towards people and my brothers and sisters in the family. If someone's hearing the gospel that way, I'm totally thankful for that. And, and if people get saved, I'm totally thankful for that. Here's my concern is that we train people to think God is quick. He's just in a hurry. We've always got to be bam, 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 you know, and we'll spend three or four hours this afternoon watching a football game, but if church goes over an hour, man, that was a long service. You know what I'm talking about? It's that mindset, but I'm telling you, we've, we can't put our culture and our in a hurry on God and, th- and say He's that way. He's not that way. He's not. I don't mean every time we pray or have a service, it has to be a marathon. It doesn't. But there must be times in our lives where we wait on Him. What do we, what do we mean wait on Him? Like a, like a server at a restaurant. We're, we're serving Him. We're there tending to anything He wants. We're listening. We're, we're doing what He says. But we're, we're just there. I mean, have you ever gone to a restaurant and you sat there for like three hours? Come on, you have. <laughs> You know, and they were so kind, hopefully. They were so kind, they just kept serving you, kept filling up your drinks, and kept, you need anything else? You need anything else? And uh, that, when we wait on the Lord, we're not in a hurry. We're there on His schedule. If He wants to sit there for three hours, then we do. Everybody okay today? See, when we take this approach, and we're going to wait on Him, we're going to walk close to Him, we're going to believe that He's leading us, uh, you get clear about things. When I hear individuals and one day God says one thing and the next day He says something that's totally the opposite of that, think, you're making decisions too quick, man. Because God's not confused. He's not confused in what He's telling you to do. You need to take more time and wait until you get sure of what He's saying. Isaiah 28 and verse 16 reads, Whoever believes will not act hastily. Everything, whoever believes will not act hastily. How many know not everything God has said to you or me is going to happen today? I'm not talking about His promises of healing and salvation and answered prayer. I'm, I'm not talking about redemption. I'm talking about plans for your life. Sometimes He moves in you and gives you a vision, gives you a dream concerning something. Not all those things happen immediately. Sometimes they happen years down the road. Amen. Praise God. 